just want to welcome you all in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, welcome those who are uh, visiting. I uh, see some familiar faces. Good to see the Franklins and the Katie Pruitt sister. Uh, it's just good to see every one of you, as well as uh, just want to welcome those who are streaming. Um, if we could sing that song, um, Something Keeps Holding Me, in the key of G. The trial of this world was getting closer. Just give me no over. 
at this time, if uh, Brother Sawyer would be ready to pray over them. We just uh, have a few requests. Uh, just remember the Cross family. They're in uh, Michigan. Uh, remember Brother Johnny Reynolds. He's in the hospital. He's recovering, but he's still in the hospital. So if we could just remember him, keep him in our prayers. As well as we have several families that are uh, missing, traveling. Um, so that... If you have an unspoken need, just by the lifting of your hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask you to bless the service tonight. Just bless Brother Johnny in the hospital, Lord. And just uh, keep your hand over him and keep him healthy, Lord. Just ask you to bless Brother Barry while he brings your word to us, Lord. And just let it be a good service, Lord. Let us be the best Christians we can be, Lord, and keep us humble, Lord. Just keep us in your path, Lord, and help us live for you, Lord. Just ask you to bless the rest of the service and the song of the service, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. If we could, uh, you guys may be seated. Let's sing, uh, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power.
And it flows. 
Give myself away. Oh, oh, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, oh, I give myself.
Lord, to be among your people. Count it, Lord, a great blessing to be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We count it a great blessing, Lord, to be saved and to know it. Count it, Lord, a great blessing to have eternal life. Count it a blessing, Lord, that you gave us inside something to hear the voice of God in the last day and to respond in a positive and favorable way. We thank God that we are gathered together tonight in spirit and in truth and in your presence, Lord. And I pray that you administer to every heart, every soul, Lord, those that are gathered here and those that are listening online. And I pray, dear God, you'd bring healing to those who need it. Strengthen us, Lord, for your service. Forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And have your way, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you, musicians, and uh, appreciate the, um, the way the Holy Spirit moved upon our song later tonight to sing things that are very much in line with uh, what we want to talk about tonight. But uh, before we do that, um, I'd like to... Uh, just take a couple of minutes here. Uh, so, Lucas, since you're standing, why don't you come on up here for a minute? <clears throat> just come on up here and wait for me. Be right back, folks. <clears throat> we are planning, Lord willing, to have our financial peace. No, you're good right there. Welcome aboard. 
Thank you. Uh, we're planning to have our financial piece uh, coming up in August, and there's been some requests to move it to Sunday evening, and we're open to that. Uh, that's certainly good. I don't think there's any good, good time of the week. Uh, there's probably not any good day to start, but you just have to do it. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> so we're, we're not officially moving, moving it to Sunday night, are we? But we can. So we're going to, Josh and I are going to discuss that. But uh, I really want to encourage you, if you've never been, uh, to uh, consider attending. If you have any questions, you can certainly let, us, uh, let me know or let Brother Josh know and let Peter know, uh, Ben McCafferty. Uh, any one of those folks would be uh, great if you have any questions. And I strongly urge anyone who's never been to it uh, to come, especially young people. <clears throat> so my question to you is, uh, have you gone through financial peace? Yes. Why? Because uh, I told you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell, give me a summary. Why would you, would, would you recommend somebody do it, attend it? At, no question asked. Yes. Okay. Why? Um, oh boy, where do I start? Uh, first of all, it gave uh, me and Haley a really, really solid start in life. So when we first got married, we both had already gone through Dave Ramsey uh, I shouldn't say Dave Ramsey, not everybody likes Dave, but his principles are based on biblical principles, which I think is the main point. Um, we had started budgeting like when we were, I think we first started dating, and we both had our, our own budgets, we both had our own principles and the way we did our money. And when we got married, we were both used to budgeting already, and we had already like talked about money, we knew what we, you know, we, we knew what we agreed on and didn't agree on, and we were able to just merge really easily. And um, as Dad has mentioned multiple times before, mar uh, money is a big um, marriage obstacle, I guess, um, or stumbling block. Obstacle in marriage. Obstacle in marriage. And mm -hmm. um, that was really, really helpful because it just made it such a smooth transition. Um, and it was it was just, I, I don't know where I would be without it today. I can't, I'm so used to thinking in that mindset, I don't know what, what, like, what my finances would be without it because I'm a spender. Did it hurt to go through the course? No, it no. didn't hurt? Okay. And is... Is doing a budget a really bad thing? No, it's, it's good, essential. It's a good thing? Yes. Okay, you'd recommend it for somebody who's single or married? All of, all of you, everyone. All of the above? All of the above. Okay, great, thank you. Everybody do it. Okay. <laughs> Josh, come on up here. <clears throat> Josh is gonna be uh, leading the class uh, this, uh, this session, and uh, so I asked him to come on up also and just uh, answer a couple of questions here. The first question is, are you getting paid to run the financial peace course? No. There's no benefits to you at all? There is a benefit. I get access to all the stuff for free. Aha. <laughs> so as a coordinator, he gets access to things on the website that everybody doesn't get access to, right? Correct. I didn't promise you first in line at the Christmas dinner? No. No, or anything like that? No. You've done the course. Yes. You've successfully gotten out of debt. Yes. Uh, would you recommend it? Absolutely. Why? Um, it gives you a plan. I mean, a budget gives you freedom to spend your money. You know, it just tells no one you plans to fail. No. Right. But a lot of people fail to plan. True. Right? Sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a plan. What else does it give you? Uh, just it opens up a toolbox. I mean, you have other people in the class with you to help you along your uh, route. It gives you an access to ask questions. Um, 
if you have questions about college accounts, saving funds, um, it gives you questions about insurance uh, and answers a lot of those questions that a lot of people sometimes not not have someone to ask or um, someone might have a monetary reason to give you a certain answer. It just has no, none of those uh, benefits to it. It's just a free dialogue and discussion. So you're in the process now of building a new house. Correct. You're in a good position to actually do that at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And feel confident about the uncertainty that lays ahead of us in terms of where the world is and where the world's going? Yeah. More um, confident than you used to. Uh, definitely. I mean... Uh, That's an unpredictable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We don't know what, what's going to be tomorrow. But uh, you feel better in this position than you did in the yeah, six years past. ago. Yeah, six, six years ago I had a negative net worth. Today it's a positive number. Huh. So it definitely gives you um, more freedom, more liberty to make decisions. Even if it's employment decisions, you know, if you're having those uh, decisions to make, it definitely gives you more flexibility. So would you recommend it for single young people? Absolutely. Married old people? Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I had no financial education taught to me. Um, this helps you get like a good foundation. And especially if you're a young person, I would take it just because it teaches you to invest in yourself first. You know, a lot of people are like, well, start like a Roth IRA, do this. But if you're wanting to get an education or do that, definitely invest in that first. Um, it teaches those kind of ben benefits. Okay. So you're open for Tuesday nights or Sundays, whichever works? Yeah, I know a lot of Sunday nights can get busy. I know we do have services planned and meetings coming up. But I know, um, you know, we've got choir practices starting back up. I'm looking forward to that again. Um, but we can maneuver around yeah. uh, some of those items yeah. you mentioned. If it, if it needs to be 6 o'clock on a Sunday or 4 o'clock on a Sunday or any of those kind of items like that or if we need to move it to a Monday night on if there's a service or something okay. going on. Okay. Yeah. So people should mention that to you if they're... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you have questions on times and dates and, you know, if we have one the first meeting and then, you know, 60% of the class can't come the next one, we'll try to find okay. a day where 100% okay. before we leave the next meeting. Flexibility is your Chinese neighbor's middle name, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. All right, any last comments? Any last words of advice for everybody? Um, yeah, I would say it's, um, it's definitely hard work to stick with it. I mean, it took me and my wife 30 months to get debt-free, and it was $78,000. So it was a lot, and it was a, a commitment. But I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, the, the team here wanted me to kind of lead it. It's just to people break it experience. down yeah out of my yeah, experience sure. yeah um and being able to you know make those transitions and make those moves um and follow the baby steps good okay thanks josh appreciate it very much <clears throat> there's no better teacher than experience and uh with josh he's been through it and uh, several other of our brothers who also have uh, taught the class, gone through the same thing, and uh, so we're excited about providing that for people, and uh, I'm sure that uh, it'll be very beneficial. Uh, just wanted to mention, mention again, Mitchell and Megan are not here tonight. He's working and uh, not here. Sister Cameron, nice to see you again. God bless you. Good to have you. 
and uh, with Brother uh, Johnny Reynolds, he is doing better every day. Uh, he takes a blood thinner, and uh, they're just trying to make sure that those numbers on, that, uh, on these blood counts and so forth are adequate and safe for him to go home. So uh, that's why he's still lingering in the hospital a little bit. But he is absolutely delighted when folks reach out to him and appreciates it very much, he and his wife. And uh, so we just want to continue to remember our brother Johnny in prayer. <clears throat> now, Lord willing, and we should say Lord willing, uh, brother Paul and I are going to be doing a uh, special Sunday in Dublin, Ireland on this Sunday. Brother Matt Watkins is going to be here uh, to minister. Uh, there are already storms moving through Holland, and we already had to rearrange flights uh, already, so... Uh, if you don't mind, I got, I got all uh, fluttery when I, uh, when I heard the weather report today. And uh, so they, they have us rerouted in different, uh, different patterns there to, to get around all of that. But it's, a, it's, it's summer, and it's summer chaos. So um, <clears throat> this is the first time we've been there in a while. And uh, if you don't mind remembering that need in prayer, especially the travel part. And um, we're going to just take a couple of days. It'll be our wedding anniversary and uh, Brother Paul's 40th or 30th, it's a wedding anniversary for Brother Paul and uh, Sister Rebecca. So uh, we're going to take a couple of days there. So if you don't mind remembering us in prayer. So uh, Brother Matt will be here uh, on Sunday. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's turn our thoughts to the word. And if you don't mind, let's stand to our feet uh, this evening here. And uh, we want to look in First John chapter 4. That's the first place that we're going to look, 1 John, the fourth chapter. Appreciate all of you being here this evening. I know it's a work day, and uh, we'll try to be as concise as we can. Let's start at verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 John. <clears throat> John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. He sent his son to be, a to be the propitiation for our sins. And may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this evening. A couple of people had mentioned unspoken requests to me. And I, uh, in this case, in these two cases that I've uh, been told about, they're not trivial matters at all. I'm not trying to hide anything, but uh, these, uh, these matters are uh, serious concern. And so... I uh, just wanted to mention that for those of you that pray, those of you that make lists and uh, remember things, those are two things that we want to keep in mind. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I stuck on this particular quotation here, and uh, it, it, it really speaks to my heart, especially after Sunday and what I told you Sunday about my own experience, that <clears throat> we're supposed to represent God in eternal life. So everywhere we go, everything we do, all of our, all of our uh, waking hours, we, we are representatives of somewhere else. We are representatives, just like I'm a representative of HBT when I go over and minister, uh, Lord willing, this Sunday. 
uh, over in Europe. And when you go to a place, you go to another church, you're a representative of HBT as well. And uh, we, we all are, are representatives of our church, and that's, that's nice, that's one thing. Uh, but more importantly, to this world, you're a representative uh, of what a Christian is and, and what Christ can actually do in a person's life and in his heart and turn them around and, and make out of that person that once was a loser, maybe a drug addict or somebody who lived an immoral life, to make something beautiful out of that life. And, and you're a representative of that. You're a display of the power of God. You're a display of the redemptive uh, program of God. And uh, that's, a, that's a high calling, really, when you think about it, because you're actually proudly displaying the blood of Jesus Christ at work, because life is in the blood, right? And if that, that life is in you, uh, you're actually displaying uh, his life in the same way that the Israelites displayed the blood on their doorposts when the death angel passed through. It was there to be seen. It was not hidden. It was there to be seen. It was uh, something that uh, was meant to be observed. And hey, I'm looking for something. I see it. And, and that's what we are. We're representatives of God and eternal life. We're not always great representatives. And as I mentioned on Sunday, when Brother Branham talked about the tax case, uh, he, had, he had lots of different reasons to argue like he did in his own mind uh, about uh, that was not fair. It, it, it just didn't make sense. And it was, it was something that uh, he was, you know, really, in essence, innocent of. But he knew that uh, as, a, as a representative like he was, being such a public person, and having traveled around the world and had such a supernatural ministry and uh, supernatural gifts in his life and, you know, drawing so many people toward the kingdom. And then Satan, uh, you know, slips in and, uh, you know, marks, if you like, puts a shadow on that testimony for a season. He didn't know how that was going to come out. He had, every, he had every logical argument built up in his mind how that wasn't right and it wasn't Caesar's money, so therefore, uh, you know, I didn't have to render to Caesar the things that were Caesar's. It was all there. God gave him the answer for that, right, in the scripture. God gave him the answer for that. When he, he referred back to the scripture and uh, told Peter, he said, hey, Peter, uh, go on out and, and cast your hook in the water and bring, uh, bring out a fish. He said, I made a deposit in the fish bank already. And when you get that fish, take the money out of the fish's mouth and go pay the taxes for me and for you because we don't want to offend the government. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. We don't want to offend him. And uh, that's, uh, the, you know, Brother Bram's answer came from Scripture. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to represent God in eternal life even when it doesn't make sense. Even when things are not fair. Even when things are not always logical, we're supposed to represent uh, the kingdom of God in eternal life. And as I, I mentioned to you about my own story, being in food line down there, uh, now I've got to find another food line. But I, you know, you feel bad because you're actually, I'm, I'm there representing the kingdom in that store when I'm there. And I came away feeling pretty badly uh, about all that. But uh, we, are, we, are, uh, we are human beings. We have flesh and blood just like everybody else. And you know what? It was God's decision to make us all human, wasn't it? And uh, we, are, we are that way. And so he says we're products of his. So therefore, we should conduct ourselves, women and men, like the Bible said for us to do. Christian gentlemen, sons and daughters of God, born of the Spirit of God. And that's an important thing for us to do. I was listening to somebody uh, the other day, and they were talking about, uh, they were talking about uh, the, the president. And, uh, uh, and, and I, I want to say this next part here just as a personal note. All right? Uh, I may not agree with the policies uh, and the direction that a, that a government is taking, but if I understand the Bible right, 
God sets up the king. And if I understand another part of the Bible right, we're supposed to pray for people who are in authority. I mean, I'm just saying what it says. So even though I may not agree, and I may not like it, and I may not have the person I wanted to win the election or whatever else, you know what? The whole thing is in God's hands. And therefore, if I'm going to talk about uh, an elected leader, I, I shouldn't talk about him in an irreverent or a um, carnal way. I, I might disagree, and I... I I, I, we all have a right to do that in this country uh, because of our laws that we have. And I'm thankful that we have those laws. Every, every nation doesn't have those laws. But I think that uh, being respectful is always in season. So the only reason I say that is because listening to that person who was a believer, uh, and I'm not being critical of him, I, I'm just saying that it struck me funny because we are supposed to represent eternal life and live as Christian gentlemen and, and Christian women in this world. Now, here's what Paul writes. I exhort, therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority. That we may lead a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It's not a bad thing for you to pray uh, that God raises up godly people in a nation or in your town as a mayor. Uh, because you know what? Uh, it's better to live in peace than it is to live in an antagonistic environment. And you know what? If they pass good laws that are favorable to us, great. Uh, you know, we're living at the end time. We're living in, in the days of Sodom, and I understand that. But we, who knows? Uh, you know, I, if, if, if we're going to do what the Scripture commands us to do, uh, we, are, we are to pray with supplication, prayers, and intercession, and the giving of thanks. That's the way Paul says we should go at this. He said, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So therefore, as representatives of the kingdom, rather than rail against people, I would rather say nothing than be disrespectful and rather say, God have mercy on us as a people. God have mercy on us as a government. I don't, listen, I don't believe America is going to turn around because the prophet said it wouldn't, right? I don't believe it's going to come right around because it's meant to be like Sodom and it's going to go out into the tribulation like Sodom, right? That's what the Bible says. But you know what? In, in our little town and uh, where I live, we just live in a little village. It's not big enough to be a town. Uh, in our little village here, I would rather have the people who, uh, who govern things around me to uh, be uh, God-fearing people, at least have a respect for common decency and uh, respect for the Bible, perhaps. I'd rather, I'd rather live in that environment than to live in a, an environment where people are out hunting Christians. I'm just saying. Because this is what the Scripture teaches, teaches us to do. And we're all representatives of the kingdom. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. You remember that word strive? It, it means that uh, it, it, is, it is that which portends violence. Just like when uh, Stephen was describing here that uh, with Moses, uh, he, he, he found that man who was against the Egyptian there, the, or sorry, the Egyptian man who was against the Israelite, and uh, grabbed a hold of him, and there was bloodshed. 
right? There was punches thrown, and that man eventually died. And that's the same kind of a word that Tim, Paul is using to Timothy here, and he says, the servant of the Lord must not strive or gender or cause strife among people, but be gentle and, and, and gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient and in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves. The whole idea that Paul is trying to impress upon Timothy is that in your dealings with people, the goal is to try to reconcile. It's to try to bring people back on track. It's to try to get people uh, where they should be and to recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Every one of us are subject to the attacks of the enemy. And like I've been saying out of Revelation chapter 9, there are all kinds of spirits that are out there, sometimes we don't even realize that are out there, uh, that are intended simply to distract you, to steal your joy, to rob you of all good things, and to uh, cause you to be distracted by one thing or another. And, and it's, it's multiplied. It's worse than the last day. No other age got 200 million million, 200,000 thousand demons that are, are loose to distract the bride of Christ. No other age got it like this age has it here. And a lot of it is happening in a realm we don't see, but we experience on a daily basis, right? Because we don't, we don't pray like we should. There's, uh, I mean, there's, there's real, when you think about it, there's real evidence, and we're going to deal with this more specifically, there's real evidence of the spiritual warfare that goes on. And one of the ways that's expressed is the amount of tolerance that we have in our society for things that we used to call abominations. Right? There were, there, were, there were a lot of things that weren't even talked about, weren't even mentioned. And now they're, they're, they're common in advertising and in media and, and everything else. It, there, there, there are laws that defend the things that we once called abominable. And now we're threatened within an inch of our life if we say something uh, that's inappropriate. You know, sometimes you see those headlines on the, uh, on the news and say, well, this person was sacked and this person was fired and this person was let go because they made one comment. Just one single comment, and they're out the door. And people are, who I've talked to here in management, you know, they, uh, they say the same thing. You know, they, you, you, in some ways you're walking on eggshells because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to make a wrong reference. And that's the world that we live in. And the, and the thrust is to protect the thing that we once called abominations. And it's because we live in a nation that has lost its respect for the Bible. We've lost the respect for the Bible. And so therefore, uh, Paul tells Timothy that we should not be on the violent side. We should not, uh, you know, stoke controversy, but rather we should work at reconciliation, whatever we can do. And Brother Bram says the same thing. We should do all we can to keep people together and keep them moving on. Brother Branham says this about his own life, and I want you to watch what he says here. Oh God, he says, give me grace to never complain and grant that our life would be crowned no matter if we suffer and whatever takes place, or how many turns against me. Flashing red lights preached in 1963. He considers himself an old man because he's over 50. In the Indian culture, North American, in the North American Indian culture, the, the men of a tribe consider themselves to be old when they pass 50. That's still a, a real thing. So when Brother Branham uh, passed his 50th year, he started to refer to himself as old. And he's talking here about his legacy. He's talking about what happens when I die. Let my life be crowned, 
No matter if we suffer, whatever takes place, how many turns against me, I know this one thing, as I get older, the stream behind me will soon be running narrower and narrower. And I know one thing. After a while, there'll be nobody come to me and ask me advice. The ones who know me in my younger years will be gone on if I live, and my friends will get fewer and fewer as I get older. And I know that someday I've got to die. Now, I hope that God never lets Satan crown me as an old, crabby, indifferent man and my wife an old, nagging woman or your wife or you that way. And I pray, brother, that our lives will be crowned with the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and long-suffering, gentleness, patience, truth, faith in the Holy Spirit. And as I said on Sunday, you've got to constantly be aware of the distractions that are there and the way Satan tries to pull us and tries to get us even to think logically about something without thinking scripturally about things. And when Brother Branham was reminded of that scripture about rendering to Caesar the things of Caesar, you know, the Holy Spirit pulled him back into thinking like the scripture talked about, and that was the right way to think, and God honored that. And so here's Brother Branham saying, when I come down to the end of my life, in other words, let my legacy be that my life is crowned with uh, love and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and patience. It's the opposite of striving, as we mentioned already in the scripture there. And he says, I pray that we'd be crowned that way. I don't want to be crowned that way. I don't, want, I don't want to be crowned, uh, you know, as, as somebody who's contentious and somebody who is uh, fighting all the time, has a fighting spirit. I don't want to be that. I'd rather be, I'd rather be someone who's crowned with these attributes at the end of it here, love, joy, long-suffering, and gentleness and patience, prayerfulness. I was listening to a song the other day, and I, I, I didn't catch all the words. I, I wanted to actually try to find the words and, and see if I could say them, but, the, but this person was singing about uh, the, his, his legacy, and, and the, the line said, only Jesus. And, uh, man, I can't, I can't think of the rest of the words there, but he, he's, you know, he was talking about attainments in his life, and it was actually a, a pretty good song, the way, it was, the way it was worded. And he was talking about how a lot of people strive to get lots of things, and he said, but when it comes to the end of my life, he said, let it be only Jesus. And I think that was actually the name of the song, I'm not sure, only Jesus. And, and I thought to myself, you know, in, in, in my, I guess in my thinking, where I'm at, where in my thinking, I would, I would, I lean towards making things more simple and streamlined in my life and in my ministry and in our church so that the thing that's magnified is not the volume of activity or the number of people or the amount of things we accomplish but that Christ is magnified. I would really, I would really rather go out in this uh, to leave the Gentile dispensation and, and uh, either leave this world or go with the bride with the testimony that he was welcome here all the time. And he was not pushed aside because of the busyness of the church. He was not pushed aside because we were too involved in this or that. I, I, there are obviously some things that, that we take on that are good and that wholesome and, and uh, we enjoy and all the rest of it, and that, you know, that's fine. But sometimes you can, get, you can actually get caught up in the momentum of stuff and kind of miss the point. And the point is not how much stuff we do. The point is not how, how big the church is or how, much, how far we go. That's not the point. The, the, main thing is, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. 
I said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is not Brother Barry, and the main thing is not HBT, and the main thing is not you. And the main thing is not dinners. The main thing is Christ. And, and I will tell you, it's easy, it's easy to get distracted from keeping him the main thing. I mean, we, we all say, oh, we never do that. Well, you know, sometimes we can. Because we're so busy, we're so, we can get burnt out, we can get, uh, you know, uh, just overwhelmed by things and, and so forth. I, to me, I, 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 I guess in my, what I'm telling you is that in my own thinking, I, I'm leaning towards, if we have a legacy at all and we're the last of the Gentile bride and we're going out, let us go out holding the banner of Christ high. Amen. That we're believers. Amen. That we love the Word of God. I, I, I just kind of like that idea. I just kind of... And I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I know this too, that God is faithful. And like Paul says here, let us therefore as many as be perfect. And how many know that the blood of Christ makes us perfect? He makes us accepted in the beloved. When we look at ourselves, we see, we see ourselves far from perfection, right? I mean, when we look at ourselves, naturally speaking here. But when, when God looks at us through the blood of Christ, he sees something different than how we see ourselves. And when someone's critical of you, they're not looking at you the way that God looks at you. Right? When somebody picks you apart and finds fault with you, uh, that's not the way God's looking at you. When God looks at you, he sees you as a sinless, virtuous, justified son or a daughter of God. And, and he says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Think this way. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. So there's, there's none of us, there's none of us that are going to fall behind in what we have need of to get out of here at the right time. I said there's none of us going to fall. If you're a member, if you're a member of the perfect, if you're a member of the, uh, of, of the blood washed, none of us will fall behind. We'll, we'll all have, whether we get it here or whether we're uh, old and feeble and not able to come to church and you're listening to the service online or whatever else. Let me tell you, God's obligated to his bride to get to his bride everything they have need of, whether they're young and active and visiting different places or whether they're uh, you know, just faithful and coming to the church here or whether they're at home like Sister Sherry. Uh, t- tonight she's at home and listening. Uh, you know, it doesn't... Your physical, your physical uh, uh, space is not as important as you having your heart in tune with God because when your heart's in tune with God and you're perfect because of the blood of Christ, he's obligated to bring to you everything you have need of to stay in step with the bride of Christ. You don't need to be married. You don't need to be single. You don't need to be old. You don't need to be young. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a singer. You just need to be a believer. And he says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. You know what? Because there's no great ones among us here. We're all walking by the same light. We're all believing the same message, right? We all have the same Heavenly Father. We've all been forgiven of our sins, thank God. And you know what? We're all going to enter into glory at the same time. There's no one church going to get there faster than another church. There's no one minister going to get there faster than another minister. That doesn't work that way. Paul says, hey, we're walking by the same rule. We're minding the same thing. We're believing that God's going to get us through. Now, hold that, hold that just for a minute here. Brother Bram says in scriptural signs at the time, 
Lord Jesus, maybe I belong to a church, but I never was satisfied and have shouted, spoke with tongues. All these things are fine. I have nothing against that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the love of God that's really down there in a person's heart. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, and you want that. Something that's real, seasoned. That'll make the Word of God live through you and act through you. No root of bitterness in the channel. Holy Spirit just flowing right through you. That's what you want. That's what you want. That's what you want to have. And you can, uh, your geography doesn't matter here. You can live in one state versus another state. That, uh, your, your physical location doesn't matter. It's you having that real love of God down in your heart. That's what really counts. When you, I believe when you had the real love of God in your heart, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. God will, God will find a way to get you to where he needs you to be. God will make sure that you receive everything that you have need of to get to the next place that God wants you to go. I'm hoping the next stop is glory. I'm hoping the next place is a new body. That's what I'm hoping for. And I believe the love of God's going to take us, take us to that because that's what he promised. And Brother Bram said there's all kinds of other things here, religious things that are going on uh, in the first paragraphs. All, and, and people participate that and they can feel like they're saved and feel like they're okay uh, because they're a part of a church uh, that's, that's got this or that happening here. He says, no, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about this relationship that a person has to have with Christ. That's what matters. Are we all in agreement? So now, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, look at this with me here. <clears throat> I'm just preambling here because I'm, I'm trying to project, not only for myself, but I'm trying to project to all of us what a mature son of God looks like, what somebody who goes through adoption looks like. He's worked his way through a lot of the stuff that we do because everybody else does it. He's worked his way through uh, keeping up with the crowd and all of that. We, we, we kind of worked our way through that. We've worked our way through just you know, being a part of this church or knowing this preacher or whatever else. Hey, we worked through that. I told you before that uh, I was talking to Brother... Uh, Roy Borders at, in, the, in the lobby of Spoken Word Publications one time, and he, he was telling us that when, when Brother Brandon was asked a question, which, which quarter of life would you like to live, like uh, in, in the first 25 years where you're young and got lots of energy, or 25 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100, and Brother Bram says, I'd take the last quarter any day. And they were discussing this, apparently, and Brother Roy was, was in the conversation with Brother Branham. And he said, I'd take the last quarter, he says, because by then, all of your foolishness is baked out of you. And all your silliness has gone out of you. And he says, you kind of, uh, you know, what, what's left is what really matters. And that's what he said he would do. So he said, when it comes to God calling Abraham at 75, Brother Branham said he had it the best. He had, it, he had the right thing going for him. He said, that's when I would like to... Uh, really have my time with God. Not that we wouldn't want to serve God the other years, but he said we serve God a little bit differently as we get older. So a mature son of God has got a lot of that, a lot of that personality stuff burned out. You know, it's, it's, we've worked through that. We've gone through that. And, and a person, I think, a real uh, adopted son of God, a real mature son of God, is, is careful about one thing. He's mindful of one thing, and that is that he has a living relationship with God. And I can't think of life without him I could not think of going through a day without him. That's what matters most. You know, because the pendulum swings two ways in everyone's life, doesn't it? We have good health and then we have not so good health. 
We have, we have lots of funding, and then we don't have lots of funding. And we have, we have uh, clear thinking, and then we don't have clear thinking. And sometimes we laugh, and sometimes we cry. And sometimes we're planting, and sometimes we're sowing. And there's all kinds of uh, seasons in a person's life. And God knows exactly where those seasons are coming and uh, all about it. He doesn't tell you. Thank, thankfully, he doesn't tell you. But we experience them. And life is not linear. It's not flat. It's not consistent. There's nothing consistent about this life. Change and decay is stamped over everything about this life. But a mature son of God knows this, that if God placed me here and God called me and God saved me and I have eternal life, I really don't have a thing to fear because heavens and earth can pass away, but his word's never going to pass away. Amen. And if it's Christ living in me, you know what? I got a permanence that the world doesn't even know anything about. Amen. And they can say the earth is 80 million years old. You know what? That's only a drop in the bucket compared to eternal life. And I don't have a thing to worry about because even if, even if Russia gets excited over there and somebody sends a bomb this way or whatever else happens here or our economy falters, let me tell you, if God can know the number of feathers in a sparrow's wing, God can know what you and I have need of. So Paul is telling the Corinthian church here, this is 1 Corinthians 1. So he's telling them right from the beginning a couple of principles he wants them to understand. And we, could look, we have looked at the, the first chapter, but I want to just highlight a little portion of it here before we move on to our little section on talking about love. I, think, I thank God, verse 4, for 1 Corinthians 1 and 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given unto you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him, and in all utterance, and in all knowledge. Now, I've got a couple of words inserted here in the same scripture on the board here. So he's saying that in everything that you people will have all the spiritual riches you'll need. You may not have all the physical things you need all the time, but God wants you to have all the spiritual riches that he's providing in this particular time. God wants you to get it all. And he loves you enough to make sure that you have ministry and you have resources and you have access to uh, everything that God's providing in this particular day. That's why God sends ministers, right? That's why God uh, gave us the message recorded in this last day. Hey, listen, the only way they got to read something a prophet wrote is if somebody took the time to sit down with a pen and a scroll and write it out and run it to the next town and give it to the pastor there. You know what? We don't have to do that. We can click and we can have access to everything Brother Branham said whenever he said it. I think it's great. I think we're blessed. And God, by that, has given us access or spiritual riches by Christ. He's given us all that enrichment in all utterance. And that word there means the logos. And that is the things that God says and the meaning and the substance behind it. And in all knowledge. So God wants you to have the word, he wants you to be spiritually rich, and he wants you to have the knowledge, or like uh, we, we have defined this before, the sophos, the, the experience, because you really know something best when you experience it. Right? Like Brother Josh was talking tonight about being, uh, going through financial peace and, and, and becoming debt-free. That's, that's not a hope so. That's just not a theory. He's done that. He and his wife have worked through that and come to that place and can say, by God's grace, now here we are. And, and so, uh, you know, he, he, he applied certain principles and did certain things here to get where he is. And it takes work. It's not hard, like he admitted tonight here. But you know what? I got the experience. And if I did it once, I can do it again. And if I can do it, and, and it's such a blessing that other people could do it as well. 
And God wants, this is what Paul is saying, that you people, you're called, you are blessed, you are rich, you are recipients of the actual voice of God. And you know what? Not only that, but you have the experience of entering into the body of Christ and you'll be a part of that for all eternity. And God's called you out of the culture. God's called you out of the cosmos. He's called you out of the gutter of sin. And he's called you out of your religions and everything else and given you the actual logos so that you would have everything that you have need of in this age that we're living in. God loves you that much. Even as, our tes- as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Destroy this body and in three days I'll raise it up. The word confirmed there in the Greek means to make sure. How many of you are sure that Jesus Christ raised from the dead? The only way you could know that is that he confirmed that in you because he's not a distant spirit or a distant God somewhere. He's a living God. He's not just a dead letter. He's a living God, and he lives inside of his people. And you know what? That testimony should be rolling off our lips very easily. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not just history. He's real. He's just not some fog somewhere. But let me tell you, he's not even as close as the breath we breathe. And Paul is saying that God, by his grace, has made that testimony confirmed or he's made it sure in you so that you come behind or lack in nothing. If you need to have, if you need to have a certain kind of teaching, you know what? God is faithful to give us that. If, if you need a, a, a certain kind of uh, ministry, God's faithful to give us that. If you need a certain kind of, uh, you know, situation that, that you can grow up in in Christ, God's faithful to do that. You come behind in nothing. There's, there, there's no part of the bride. And I don't care whether they're in Africa, whether they're in uh, Korea, or whether they're here. There's no part of the bride that lacks rapturing faith to the place where they wouldn't make it when the bride goes. <clears throat> we were talking about churches the other day, and I, somebody, somebody was talking about uh, raising money to build their church, and they asked me about it, and I said, hey, I'll tell you what, if I find somebody who's got money to burn and they got extra, I'll certainly give them your name. But I said, I just happen to know several hundred thousand churches uh, in this world who meet under a tree. And move their chairs as the sun goes around so that they're sitting in the shade the whole service. And uh, I, I just, I, I kind of have a soft heart towards uh, some of those people. Not that you shouldn't have a church. Not that, not that everybody shouldn't have a nice church. But if all they have is a tree, we should at least be praying that the tree doesn't die. And if I can do anything to help those people, I will. Not, and I said to them, hey, not that I don't want to see your, you have a new church. And, and, and they had a fabulous deal on one. It was one that, uh, that uh, you know, they were selling out. This church was selling out. And, and these brothers had a great opportunity. And I thought it was wonderful. For them, it was wonderful. It was exactly what they needed. And I was, th- I was excited about uh, them having that church. And I said, I, I surely would want to do what I could uh, to help you. In, in. But let me tell you this. What I'm saying is that whether you're in a a, a, a new church, whether you're in this church, whether you're under a tree, God is, what Paul is telling the Corinthian church is that your physical circum, circumstances and your surroundings don't matter. God is going to make you spiritually rich by providing everything you have need of waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when that time arrives, you'll be ready. When that time arrives, you'll go. Because it's not your geography. It's not what name's on your passport. That's not what's, on what's important to God at all. He, 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 the, he followed the book of redemption all the way down through uh, the ages, and he knows exactly where you are. He shall also confirm you, make sure, unto the end. Say it with me. The end. No, you're not, you're not doing it tonight. He shall confirm you unto? The end. How far? The end. Are we at the end yet? Yes, we're in the end times. <laughs> I got you on that one. We're in the end times, but are, is it over? Are we at the end? Is it finished? No. So you know what? He's still confirming us right out to the very end. He has to be among us and still uh, making sure that you're sure that everything is sure before we all go. He's watching over you to make sure that everything is right. He's watching over you to make sure that, that nothing is there that doesn't belong in the kingdom you're going to. He's there to make sure. He's there to make sure that you're sure. He's there to make sure that we're all sure, that we're sure things are sure. That you may be blameless. That nobody can be called into account for something wrong in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many believe we're living in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? Sure, he came on the scene. He never came on the scene like, in, like this in any other age, right? He descended with a shout and a voice and the trump of God. Brother Bram said he does all three as he's descending. So therefore, we're living in a time like no other time. And this is what he's telling us. This is what he's telling the Corinthian church here. That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever this day comes and God's going to take a living people away. Not people who had died and went in the grave. But, but the people who are living and they're standing there on the earth. And they're actually seeing the coming of the Lord. And we don't know what that's going to be in this age or in this age. Uh, you know, because he never gave us the time or the date. But it doesn't matter. He's going to provide you everything you have need of. So that if he comes in that particular time you'll be ready and there'll be no accusation that pulls you back or holds you back from transitioning into that kingdom over there you can't you, it's not going to be oh well hold on brother barry didn't make this right or didn't do this right or didn't make a, a repair didn't make remuneration for this or that there won't be any of that because god i believe will have such a sway in our hearts that he's going to make sure he's going to move us to make everything just right before we get out of here so that when it comes time to go we'll have to say hey there's nothing holding me now now. There's no accusation they can bring. There's nothing they can say. I am free to go. Amen. And the things we hide in our hearts, God is faithful to find those things and let us know. God is faithful, and that means worthy of trust, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let me say this. That's the preamble to the book of Corinthians. Paul is actually saying to them, because you're called into this body, you've been taken out of the world you were in. So you don't need to bring your gods. You don't need to bring your studies. You don't need to bring your culture with you. God is moving you into a new kingdom. And that kingdom is within you. Didn't he say that? He said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom of heaven is within you, right? So Paul is actually telling the Corinthian people who were, they were worshipers. But they just happen to be worshiping the wrong thing. They worship sports. They worship physique. They worship uh, their bodies. They worship false gods, right? There's all kinds of gods in the book of Corinthians there. 
And he's telling them, that God is faithful. Hey, he's called you out and made you a part of the body of Christ. And he's going to furnish you with everything you have need of. But you know what you got to do? you got to empty your pockets and you got to let him fill you now with the riches he wants to give you. You know what? The message to me tonight is exactly the same way. God's called us out of Laodicea. He's called us out of the traditions of churches and denominations and everything. Called us out of that. Hey, empty your pockets and let God fill them up. Not with what you think should go in them. Not with what uh, your priority is or what somebody else is doing out there. Let God, let God see you with empty pockets and let him fill those pockets with all the riches he wants to put in there. That's what God wants to do. And emptying your pockets, emptying your mind, emptying your heart of things that we, uh, that we hold dear. Hey, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us. And that to me is coming back to that simplicity that we have in Christ. We're not encumbered by a whole bunch of stuff. But we're just walking in the light as he's in the light. Now what, I, what, what, we, what we mentioned in the very beginning here is that one of the attributes of mature sons and daughters of God, adopted sons and daughters of God, is that they understand and they practice forgiveness and love. And they matter. So therefore, let's just deal with the subject of love. Let's introduce it, and then we want to def define this thing called the love of God. And we'll, we'll see how far we can get here. <clears throat> love is of God. I, I need you to do something for me here. It's just a mental exercise. You don't need a pen and paper. You can do this in your own thinking here for a moment here. I want you to think about <clears throat> anything in your life right now Anything in your life that would cause you to be distracted or separated from the love of God. So count a number of things. You don't need to write down the things, but just count a number of things. Like, are there, are there two or three things in my life? Are there 10 things in my life that separates me from the love of God, distracts me from the love of God? Is just in your own mind, just think, is there one thing? It seems to come up. Is there one thing that's happened now that's really got me worried and frustrated and anxious about things? Is there something that I fear distracts me? Just think about that. I need you to come up with a number. One, two, three, maybe 15, 20. Now I want you to take that number and multiply it by zero. And what number do you come out with? Because there's nothing that separates us, separates us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, right? So all of the issues that we have in life, the things that we think separate us, they don't, they don't really separate us at all from the love of God that's in Christ. Because nothing can. So this love is kind of a different love than natural love. But let me... Let me give you a little statement here. Brother Bram said that marriage is honorable and it should be entered prayerfully and reverently and genuine love for that woman will bind you together forever. And what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He said you might get stoop-shouldered and bald-headed and wrinkled-faced and everything else, but she'll love you just like you did when you stood with wide shoulders and curly hair if it's really God. For you're looking to the time when you've crossed the river yonder. That's what we're looking to. We're looking to that time when you'll spring back again to young men and women to live together forever. That's God's eternal promise. You look into that time when you cross the river and now there's no hindrance, there's no old age, there's nothing at all that hinders you. Let me give you an example of that. This is a real story. Sergeant First Class Joseph, Joseph Gant, who was a 
uh, prisoner of war in the Korean War, 1950. In December 1950, one of the last things he did was take a $100 bill and uh, write his wife, Clara, a letter, put it in the envelope and sent it off and said, we're going into action in a couple of days. He said, but I wanted you to have this and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, be able to enjoy Christmas and buy some things for yourself. When he told, when he left for uh, overseas, he told his wife, he said, if anything ever happens to me or I don't come home, he said, I want you to remarry. And she told him, absolutely not. I had a hard enough time getting you to say yes and for me to say yes. And so therefore she said, I'll wait till you come back. In this picture on the right-hand side, she's now 93 years old, and <clears throat> Sergeant Gant, he died in 1950. They knew, they had information and intelligence that he died, but they had no idea where he was buried or any of his remains. And finally, after all of those years, and she waited all of those years because she said, I told him I would wait until he came home, and she never married never went with another man at all. She built her own life, and she was a caregiver and a caretaker, worked with underprivileged children and so forth, and she spent the rest of her life doing that until every so often, because there's still about 85,000 missing in action servicemen uh, that we as a country know about, and uh, <clears throat> whenever they find these remains, they examine them, they do a DNA and RNA and so forth, and they try to track back who this actually is. So there is a meeting that's held every so often in Washington uh, by the uh, Department of Defense, and they give updates to families on what they found and who they found and evidence that suggests that this is actually that person. And Clara Gant would go many times to those meetings in Washington. She'd have her family bring her, or she'd go herself and fly out there because she lived out on the West Coast. And uh, she would go and listen to those meetings and the reports and who was found and who was discovered and so forth. Her family thought she was crazy because they said, well, you know, why are you still looking here? It's been all of these years, and, uh, and he's never been found. And so finally, one, uh, in, when she turned 93, somebody from the Department of DOD called her up on the phone and said, are you coming for the meeting in the fall uh, for, about the missing in action soldiers? And, and she said, oh, yeah. She said, I plan to be there. And she said, I just knew in my heart it was because that they had found him. And somebody had discovered these were human remains in, Korea, in, in uh, North Korea, and they wound up going into Hawaii is where, where they uh, do the analysis and so forth, and they wound up verifying absolutely that this is Joseph Gant. And so they brought him in a container, and this is the soldier there at the ceremony, and they brought him off the plane, and she was standing there, and she just reached over and touched the container, and she just simply said, I missed you. I missed you. And he was buried in Inglewood Cemetery uh, later that day, and they made a grave with two markers on it, one for him and one for her for her to eventually join him in death. <clears throat> I thought, that's a person who's dedicated, for sure, to that vow, to that promise that she made to her husband. And even though she had evidence that, you know, the physical document that said that he had died, she still said, because she had made him the promise, she said, I'll wait till you come back. She was so committed to that. She lived her whole life 
just waiting for him to come back. And she said, I prayed that God would let me live, live long enough to see him come back to his own country and be buried in his own hometown. And God gave her that answer to prayer. So when Brother Bram talks about, you know, a person who, um, he said, you might get stoop-shouldered and bald-headed and wrinkled-faced and everything else, but she'll love you just like you did when you stood with wide shoulders and curly hair. You're looking at a time when you cross the river yonder. You know what? Because that's what really matters. And we, talk about, we talk about love and we talk about the love of God and how uh, God cares about us and how God, uh, you know, has, has compassion upon his people. It's, it's actually a, a very beautiful thing and it's something that is eternal for sure. <clears throat> Brother Bram says in 1964, he said, I've constantly done my very best to try in disagreeing with men in religious terms, but if I couldn't take their hand afterward, no matter how sharp things might be, no matter how sharp the differences are, and say, this is in the light of a better understanding between us, and still love that person, he said, not just with my words, but from my heart, I'm no subject at all to go out there and try to talk to people. In other words, I'm not a very good representative of the kingdom. I'm not demonstrating eternal life really well if I can't from my heart really love that person, forgive that person, love that person for what they said. He said, I'm no subject at all to go out there and represent the kingdom, try to talk to people, because he said, we must do that. We must love the person. Amen. You think about all the reasons why Jesus Christ should never have loved you, but he did anyway. And when he defines love, it's not, it's not uh, so much in pink colors and roses and so forth and nice music, when, when, when God thinks about love, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son into this world, he, he, he had in mind a, a, a cross, and he had in mind a whip, and he had in mind nails, and he had in mind blood spilled on the ground, and he had in mind a soldier taking a spear and jabbing it into his side like that. When God thought about love, he thought about something a little bit different than how we projected in our world. And when we really love God and when, when, we, when we realize that God really loves us, it's not a passive thing. It's a serious thing. It's a thing that has substance. And for God, it's the whole world. For that lady who waited for her husband, it was her whole life. Whole life just waiting for, the, for him to come back. Waiting for her, her whole life because she promised that She'd wait until he came back. And for us, for us, while we were yet sinners, he loved us. The love of God's an unexplainable thing, really. The love of God is a deep thing. It's a beautiful thing. And you know what? I'm so glad he loves me like that because he has a lot of reasons to let go of me. But he doesn't. He loves me nonetheless. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians just slide up here this evening, if you will. And because he loves us, he's going to provide everything that we have need of. We'll be spiritually furnished here. We'll have everything that we have need of to get from here to there before this thing winds up. We'll have one who watches over us and guides us to make sure we get everything right so that there can be no accusations held back for that last moment when we're supposed to leave here. There'll be nobody calling back and saying, but he didn't do this and he didn't do that. 
I thank God for how he searches hearts and deals with us and in, in services, you know, brings up different things. And very often I hear uh, you say and people say, man, I, I, had a, I came to church with a question and I, I, I was, uh, you know, I was just listening in the service and all of a sudden, bang, there's an answer. There's an answer I was looking for. And you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit already knowing what we have need of before we get here and he delivers something so that you're, you're absolutely justified we have answers, we have the solutions, we have everything that we need to have. And he does that only because he loves us. He loves us so much. Aren't you glad he loves you? Aren't you glad you got a heart to love him? A heart to love him is a great thing. It's a great thing. I want to live just the way he wants to give until
think about his love think about his goodness think about Jesus, that you have expressed your love to us, especially in this last day, this great day that we live in, where it all winds up, not, not for us in chaos, but Lord, for us in a great climax where we leave this world as your bride. And Lord, this world moves on to its destination, but you've got a people, Lord, who believe your word and growing and maturing and they're looking more like sons and daughters of the king Lord I just pray that you administer to each and every one tonight there are hands that have been raised here tonight Lord and no doubt there's people Lord who are listening and reaching out to you God we do we do know you care for us you loved us so that we in turn should love one another and I pray dear God that you would help us to be patient let our lives be crowned with humility, prayerfulness, simplicity, no root of bitterness. But Lord, may our legacy, the thing we leave behind, is simply a testimony that there goes a man or a woman that loved God with all of his heart. Thereby shall you know my disciples, because they have love one for another. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would deal with our hearts and help us, Lord, right where we are. We 
We're so grateful that we have you to turn to and so grateful, Lord, that you turn to us. Bless the balance of this week, Lord, and all of our work, schooling, all of our activities, Lord, travels. In every way, Lord, we desire just to have your blessing upon all that we do. May we be continually minded of your presence in our lives. And Lord, as we go tonight, bless this assembly, every family is represented. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And amen. Think about his love. Sing it as you go tonight. God bless you. Oh, and think about his goodness. Think about his grace. That's brought us
Every moment I 